0: chapter 23 of the portent this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by gemma the portent by george macdonald chapter 23 my old room once more i was left alone in that room of dark oak looking out onto the little ivy mantled court of which I was now reminded by the howling of the storm within its high walls. Mrs. Blakesley had extemporized a bed for me on the old sofa, and the fire was already blazing away splendidly. I sat down beside it, and the somber-hued past rolled back upon me. After I had floated, as it were, upon the waves of memory for some time, I suddenly glanced behind me and around the room, and a new and strange experience dawned upon me. Time became to my consciousness what some metaphysicians say it is in itself, only a form of human thought. For the past had returned, and had become the present. I could not be sure that the past had passed, that I had not been dreaming through the whole series of years and adventures upon which I was able to look back. For here was the room— all as before. And here was I, the same man, with the same love glowing in my heart. I went on thinking. The storm went on howling. The logs went on cheerily burning. I rose and walked about the room, looking at everything as I had looked at it on the night of my first arrival. I said to myself, How strange that I should feel as if all this had happened to me before. And then i said perhaps it has happened to me before again i said and when it did happen before i felt as if it had happened before that and perhaps it has been happening to me at intervals for ages i opened the door of the closet and looked at the door behind it which led into the hall of the old house it was bolted but the bolt slipped back at my touch Twelve years were nothing in the history of its rust. Or was it only yesterday that I had forced the iron free from the adhesion of the rust-welded surfaces? I stood for a moment hesitating whether to open the door and have one peep into the wide hall, full of intent echoes, listening, breathless, for one air of sound, that they might catch it up, jubilant, and dash it into the ears of silence, their ancient enemy, their death but I drew back, leaving the door unopened, and, sitting down again by my fire, sank into a kind of unconscious weariness. Perhaps I slept, I do not know. But as I became once more aware of myself, I awoke, as it were, in the midst of an old, long-buried night. I was sitting in my own room, waiting for Lady Alice. And as I sat waiting, and wishing she would come, By slow degrees my wishes intensified themselves, till I found myself, with all my gathered might, willing that she should come. The minutes passed, but the will remained. How shall I tell what followed? The door of the closet opened, slowly, gently, and in walked Lady Alice, pale as death, her eyes closed, her whole person asleep with a gliding motion as in a dream, where the volition that produces motion is unfelt, she seemed to me to dream herself across the floor to my couch, on which she laid herself down as gracefully, as simply, as in the old beautiful time. Her appearance did not startle me, for my whole condition was in harmony with the phenomenon. I rose noiselessly, covered her lightly from head to foot, and sat down, as of old, to watch. How beautiful she was! I thought she had grown taller, but perhaps it was only that she had gained in form without losing anything in grace. Her face was, as it had always been, colorless, but neither it nor her figure showed any signs of suffering. The holy sleep had fed her physical, as well as shielded her mental, nature. But what would the waking be? Not all the power of the revived past could shut out the anticipation of the dreadful difference to be disclosed the moment she should open those sleeping eyes. To what a frightfully farther distance was that soul now removed, whose return I had been wont to watch, as from the depths of the unknown world? That was strange. This was terrible instead of the dawn of rosy intelligence i had now to look for the fading of the loveliness as she woke till her face withered into the bewildered and indigent expression of the insane she was waking my love with the unknown face was at hand the reviving flush came grew deepened she opened her eyes god be praised they were lovelier than ever and the smile that broke over her face was the very sunlight of the soul. "'Come again, you see,' she said gently, as she stretched her beautiful arms towards me. I could not speak. I could only submit to her embrace, and hold myself with all my might, lest I should burst into helpless weeping. But a sob or two broke their prison, and she felt the emotion she had not seen. Relaxing her hold, she pushed me gently from her, and looked at me with concern that grew as she looked. "'You are dreadfully changed, my Duncan. What is the matter? Has Lord Hilton been rude to you? You look so much older somehow. What can it be?' I understood at once how it was. The whole of those dreary twelve years was gone. The thread of her consciousness had been cut, those years dropped out— And the ends reunited. She thought this was one of her old visits to me, when, as now, she had walked in her sleep. I answered, I will tell you all another time. I don't want to waste the moments with you, my Alice, in speaking about it. Lord Hilton has behaved very badly to me. But never mind. She half rose in anger, and her eyes looked insane for the first time. How dares he? she said and then checked herself with a sigh at her own helplessness. "'But it will all come right, Alice,' I went on, in terror, lest I should disturb her present conception of her circumstances. "'I felt as if the very face I wore, with the changes of those twelve forgotten years, which had passed over her like the breath of a spring wind, were a mask of which I had to be ashamed before her. Her consciousness was my involuntary standard of fact. Hope of my life as she was— there was thus mingled with my delight in her presence a restless fear that made me wish fervently that she would go. I wanted time to quiet my thoughts and resolve how I should behave to her. "'Alice,' I said, "'it is nearly morning. You were late tonight. Don't you think you had better go? For fear, you know.' "'Ah!' she said with a smile, in which there was no doubt of fear. "'You are tired of me already.' but I will go at once to dream about you. She rose. Go, my darling, I said, and mind you get some right sleep. Shall I go with you? Much to my relief, she answered, No, no, please not. I can go alone as usual. When a ghost meets me, I just walk through him, and then he's nowhere, and I laugh. One kiss, one backward, lingering look, and the door closed behind her. I heard the echo of the great hall. I was alone. But what a loneliness, a loneliness crowded with presence. I paced up and down the room, threw myself on the couch she had left, started up, and paced again. It was long before I could think. But the conviction grew upon me that she would be mine yet. Mine yet? Mine she was, beyond all the power of madness or demons and mine I trusted she would be beyond the dispute of the world. About me, at least, she was not insane. But what should I do? The only chance of her recovery lay in seeing me still, but I could resolve on nothing till I knew whether Mrs. Blakesley had discovered her absence from her room. Because if I drew her, and she were watched and prevented from coming, it would kill her, or worse. I must take to-morrow to think." Yet at the moment, by a sudden impulse, I opened the window gently, stepped into the little grassy court where the last of the storm was still moaning, and withdrew the bolts of a door which led into an alley of trees running along one side of the kitchen garden. I felt like a housebreaker, but I said it is her right. I pushed the bolts forward again so as just to touch the sockets and look as if they went in, and then retreated into my own room, where I paced about till the household was astir. End of chapter 23